Welcome to the Northern Business Podcast. Each week we talk to people active in business and the economy about the issues driving growth in the north of England. We're sponsored by Virtue Motors, one of the UK's largest motor retailers. You can check out its website at virtuemotors.com. I'm Graham Robb. I own Recognition PR. We help scores of businesses promote their products and services. Some are featured in this podcast. Make sure you don't miss an episode by subscribing on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Both our guests today are down the line. We've got John Wiles, who's Managing Director at Simply Asset Finance, and Andrew Lane, Managing Director at Union Industries, the UK's leading manufacturer of bespoke industrial doors. You see them when you go through warehouses, they go up and down as the forklift truck goes through. Very interesting product, and they've done great success with it. My colleague, uh, Josh Mason, will later speak to Dr. David Moore, who's the CEO at the British Constructional Steelwork Association, and Chris Lister, who's the commercial manager at Farat. Right, gentlemen, welcome to the programme. First of all, John, simply asset finance. It sounds simple. You finance assets. Uh, how's business? You're based in Liverpool, aren't you? We are, yes. We've um, um, we've got a, a, a regional presence uh, right across the UK, but um, um, we opened up a, an office in Liverpool last year, um, and we are here to support local businesses. As you said, the clue is in the title. We try uh, to take asset finance out there to, to SMEs um, using industry experts sitting in front of customers and explain how easy this, this product is and how we can help your business. What's the advantage of doing it your way compared to going to the bank? The, the main advantage from, uh, from us, we are a non-bank lender. Um, is traditionally banks will look at a balance sheet um, and a balance sheet is a snapshot of how the company uh, how the company performed 10, 12, 14 months ago whenever it was produced. We tend to sit down in front of a customer, we talk to them, we ask them the reason why they're purchasing the equipment and we take a forward view as to uh, the, the, the uh, owner of the business will understand what the purchase is for um, and we try and assist in that way. So we we look at assets slightly differently, and we look at assets mainly that we understand, which is hard assets in construction, manufacturing, transport um, sectors. And energy, because you, you're making a point at the moment about a specific scheme. Um, it's the EBDS scheme. Remind us what the scheme is and, and about the, the way in which you're operating within it. So this is the uh, energy bill discount scheme, um, and we um, uh, we commissioned a, a piece of research that shows just over half, fifty percent, fifty-seven percent of SMEs in the north aren't aware that this scheme is available to uh, to help subsidise their energy bills. Um, and the scheme is actually due to close at the at the end of March. So we're we're keen to get our message out to the customers, to our customers, and to all all SMEs in uh, in in the north that. Uh, that, that they need to to explore this as an option, um, because what we have seen through our research as well is the the average cost of energy has risen by twenty two percent over the last twelve months, and on average, an SME is paying out about sixty four thousand pounds per year on fuel and energy bills. So uh, any assistance that's out there from the government um, is uh, is very welcome. Well, I think that's absolutely right. Let's look at this research you've done, though, because we, we let's scratch we scratch the surface of that statistic about the energy scheme. But there's some other statistics. I'll put some on the screen for people watching, people listening. Let's go through them. Um, Twenty-two percent of SMEs have actually postponed significant business investments due to increased energy costs. So that's quantifying the actual problem. Um, and 
I can imagine that that's quite significant. Um, that's one in seven. Uh, you've also got 14% of SMEs in the Northwest said they have to pause their business growth because of an extended period of time. And then you've also got uh, 24% of SMEs in the Northwest said they were unable to buy a new piece of equipment or technology. And um, some have even had to downsize. 16% of SMEs in the Northwest have had to downsize. And only 18% of SMEs have seen no impact. That's quite a range of information. It is. And, um, and, and what, we're, what we're finding is that um, speculative purchases, which is, uh, which is what our, our economy is great at, um, where a customer would buy an extra truck because they think they will be able to get work for it, that has slowed down. Um, and what we're seeing now is just replenishment of existing assets and existing fleet keeping us going forward. And it stopped for a couple of reasons. Um, one is, uh, is is the fact that the, some SMEs don't actually understand what's available, as you've, uh, as you've seen from the starts out there in the way of asset finance and and how it works they they still think it's a it's a mystical dark art but it's uh it's not it's a it's a great tool and it's out there to uh to to benefit all customers um and what not many people know is that the UK is actually the third largest asset finance market in the world so it's it's a significant uh, it's a significant portion of business growth and whilst there are a lot of uh, a lot of negative uh, thoughts and, and press out there. Um, the other piece of research shows that uh, that 80% of SMEs are actually optimistic about the future. Um, we've been through a, uh, a, a couple of uh, couple of issues with with things that have happened economically over the past few years, as we're all aware. Um, but we're we're now getting to a stage where people are hopeful of the of what's to come over the next few years. Well, I'm glad you've said that, uh, John, because. Uh... You're absolutely right. Um, this week, I've had the deputy business editor of a national newspaper in my car, and I've toured him around the northeast. And um, he's been used to—I won't name names and everything—but he's been used to writing news stories from his desk in London. And when he got out into the northeast, he saw businesses. I introduced him to businesses that were, in their own ecosystem, pretty confident and buoyant. And I just think sometimes some of the mood music is being affected by people who are commentators and not participants, but they don't really talk to the participants sufficiently. Absolutely. Um, and uh, we, uh, the, the, the stress test is, is everyone reads what's on the, uh, on the front pages of the, of the newspapers. Um, but the actuality is, is uh, uh, as I said, we have a lot of resilient SMEs out there who, who know that they need to take their business forward and they need to take the blows as, as it comes and, and find a way of working through. And that's that's what we're seeing and that's what our, uh, our growth is predicated on is uh, going out there and helping these SMEs uh, to find alternatives, to find a way to grow despite what's happening externally. And, John, um, the government introduced this year uh, full deductions for capital expenditure uh, for businesses. Uh, if, you, if you spend... a a hundred quid on a computer or ten thousand pounds on a solar panel system, you can deduct it all against your tax. Has that made any difference? Are you growing as a business? Because if you're growing and you're lending more, something's going right. 
It, uh, it it does make a difference because we uh, we we see a noticeable spike towards the end of uh, end of March as as people take uh, take full use of these schemes. Um, if if it's a case where you were 75, 80% sure that you were going to invest, this is the type of scheme that will get get a customer over the line and add value to them. Um, but if you're 50, 50, it's, it's, it's not really going to factor into your decision-making process. So it, it is helping some, um, but, but it's not giving full benefit to, to, to everybody that's out there. And my second question, are you growing? Are you lending more this time than this time last year? We uh, we are growing. We've um, we've placed in the FTSE top one thousand growing companies in uh, in Europe for the past two years on the row, and last year we were the fastest uh, growing financial institution as well. So uh, yes, we, we we are we are growing because our message is getting out there, our reach is getting out there, and and specifically uh, in 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 the northwest, the northeast is uh, is is a very good hub for, uh, for 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 our customer base. We're going to bring Andrew in now. Let's see if we can bring him in. Andrew, what do you have to say about what you've just heard from John? I think if a money man's making money, that's pretty good indication that there's something going right. Absolutely. I think the, there is a lot going right. And I just, I mean, you will recall we had the BBC here and Faisal Islam did a piece on, on Union uh, post, post-COVID it was, Uh and we gave him lots of positive news because that's what we had. And the BBC saw fit to remove that commentary and overdub it with somebody from the BBC saying how difficult and bad things were. And actually, that's what's wrong with the economy. The major media players, uh, as John has said, are just talking the country down. And our experience is not negative. Our experience is very positive. The, the, there are businesses out there that are growing, that are investing, that are doing well, despite this media environment that wants you to be poor. OK, well, let's just put, quantify it a bit. You you make these doors for industry um, that you, uh, uh, you you see on the, the big warehouses and you, you, you also maintain them and so on. So what's the pipeline like for you? Well, um, as we stand today... The honest picture, excuse me, is that we have got a larger order book than we've had in five years. So um, we are somewhat concerned that the lead time for our products is reaching out too far. And we're looking to expand yet further uh, our capacity to be able to deliver that level of customer service that we're known for. Let's bring John back in. There's one question I wanted to ask you, John, and I've just heard that testimony from Andrew and I've heard what you've got to say about the finance and everything like that. Now, the Bank of England and the government want to keep a lid on inflation. You've heard Andrew there saying he's got pent-up demand, I think I would qualify as what you're saying. You've got people who are borrowing money and... We had the latest wage is figures, which show wage growth, wage growth still more than inflation. Uh, it's, a, it's a tale of two different and conflicting bits of economics. If the Bank of England wants to get inflation down and the government and people in business like us here want to do well, sometimes the balance isn't reached and inflation will go up. Correct. Correct. Uh... And uh, 
obviously that's a uh, that's a problem for the, uh, for, the for the Bank of England. There's a problem for you uh, though because you're setting your interest rates on on assets uh, that you're loaning on. So where are you setting your interest rates at the moment, John? Our interest rates are obviously linked to uh, to the Bank of England base rate. Um, but where we sit, we, we we work on a fixed rate through the life. So yeah. the customer, when he's buying the asset, we're, we're very clear with the monthly payment. They factor that into their cash flow to make sure it's affordable in the current business model. And it doesn't change. It, it won't go up. So it's not volatile from, uh, from that. Uh, excellent. OK. Thank you, John. Let's go back to Andrew. Andrew, what about investment on your part? We've heard about Pipeline. Um, are you looking at automation? Are you looking at new jobs? Are you looking at new pieces of equipment? What what, what kind of investment plans has the business got? Well, uh, our investment plan really follows the business plan. Uh, and one thing that, that events of the last few years have told us is that long long range business plans are really difficult because you don't know what's around the corner. So um, we haven't financed anything in, well, 10 years since we've been employee-owned because we set off with the intention of having cash reserves that allowed us a flexibility. So that speculative investment, we can make that. And we've done speculative investments in uh, manufacturing machinery, but more lately it's been in R&D and in uh, generating new sales techniques that all of this consumes cash without an immediate return. Uh, so we've been able to do that and we will continue to do it because you, you don't get ahead by standing still. And that's very much part of our business thinking. Right. Now, I want to ask you uh, a little bit. I don't want to leave that point entirely, but I want to ask you a little bit about the general economy, Andrew, and also John. The government we've seen uh, hasn't been borrowing as much as was predicted. And so you're getting a lot of the commentators saying, well, it can afford to cut tax. And um, there's talk that there could be between eight and even £20 billion worth of money that could be cut off tax bills. And if that happened in March, it would go almost immediately into the economy. Um, what is your point of view on that proposition and how it would affect business? John first. Um, I... Uh... I think it would be useful, uh, especially in the uh, in, in the current climate. It would allow companies to to reinvest back into the business to allow for, for, for sustainable growth over the next few years. And Andrew, I think it's there has been so much in terms of tax rises uh, in recent times that it, it's almost where do you start? And the, the one obviously, and I'd say this because I'm a business person. Um, I want to see the corporation tax start getting back to where it was because that feeds so many different things. And if businesses are going to go for full-term uh, or for more employment and more investment in the community and in the country, then we need to have some of those um, taxes uh, released to enable us to do that very thing. Okay. Well, look, it's clear I'm talking to two people who have got a positive uh, attitude uh, for both their businesses and the economy. And John's more positive than even that because he's providing a feed stock of money to invest and he's checking it off first. He's, he's, he's checking it twice. Um, and, uh, and obviously that's, that's a really good thing. John, thank you for joining us. Simply Asset Finance based in Liverpool. Andrew, yeah. 
Union Industries, based in Leeds. Great to talk to you both, and thank you for joining us on the Northern Business Podcast. Now, over to my colleague, Josh Mason. Josh has been speaking to Dr. David Moore, who's the CEO of the British Constructional Steelworks Association, and Chris Lister, Commercial Manager at Farat. My name's David Moore. I'm the Chief Executive Officer for the British Constructional Steelworks Association, which looks after the steel contractors. Today, for the first time, we've actually launched what we call a mini-manifesto. We have five different asks of government, and we've been to the House of Lords, talking to uh, ministers and talking to uh, lords and MPs about our five asks of government. These five asks are, we'd like them to end cash retentions now and replace it with project bank accounts as soon as possible. We'd like them to actually put British business first when it comes to uh, public uh, projects. We'd also like them to change the apprentice system so it's more focused on the skills and experience that our people need in the fabrication community. We'd also like them to think about the funding systems that actually small and medium-sized enterprises need to expand their business, to expand their, uh, their equipment. Uh, and finally, we actually had British Steel talking about decarbonisation and the funding that they require to actually be more competitive in the market. And what will the um, impacts of those changes mean for the steelwork sector, but also for the British economy more widely? Well, the steelwork sector will actually make us far more competitive. It will actually make us to able to uh, put more GP back into the actual government's coffers, etc. It will actually build a better and actually more effective uh, construction steelwork community. What do you hope that the MPs and peers who were present today are going to take away? I hope they're actually going to take away the actual five asks we've been putting on the table and put them in their manifestos for the forthcoming election and actually put them in place to make sure that they are actioned in the next uh, year or two. My name is Chris Lister. I am the uh, Northern Chairman of the BCSA and Commercial Manager for Farrett Structural Thermal Breaks. So we've been involved in uh, the launch of the Mini Manifesto for the BCSA, uh, looking at our, uh, our questions and our asks for uh, government. What are you particularly looking for in the uh, upcoming election manifesto? I think the key one for us is the um, the introduction or the the use of the uh, apprenticeship levy to the its, to its fullest. Um, we have uh, a lot of apprentices at our works. Uh, we're very keen to make sure that they come through. We're very keen to make sure that they have the right training at the level required to be part of the industry. Um, and that for me was uh, certainly a, a personal takeaway as one of the things I, I wanted to see happen. Like, can you just um, flesh out like, what the current challenge is around apprenticeships? I think currently there is a, uh, a perception that um, apprenticeships are not uh, as valuable as a university education. Um, and as such, um, people are discouraged from coming into the industry, such as structural uh, steel fabrication. And so therefore we want to see um, that made um, more clear that it is a, a positive and, uh, and worthwhile opportunity to go into that steel industry. And the solution to that for you would be? I think the solution would be to have um, the, the funding for level two apprenticeships um, uh, made more available uh, to, be, uh, to be higher uh, and to be on a par with level three apprenticeships. And what, um, what role do you think the uh, steelwork con- construction uh, sector plays in the region, particularly in the north and in your pouch? How significant? I think there was a uh, there was a very um, the membership of BCSA is predominantly in the north of England. Um, we see an awful lot of work going on 
uh, in London, but uh, I think the work that's uh, likely to happen in the wake of HS2 and the, the Crossrail in Manchester uh, would be a very good um, shot in the arm for the, uh, the, the steel fabrication industry in the north. Thanks, Josh. And if you'd like to join us as a guest on Northern Business Podcast, feel free to get in touch. We'd love to hear from you. Also, thanks to our podcast producer, Harry Sinclair, and technical operator, Robin Campbell. Join us next time for Northern Business Podcast. Never miss an episode. Like, rate, and subscribe on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts.